You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Live Different Podcast. I am your host, Matt Wilson, and today we are here with Toph Evans. He is a speaker, a thought leader in resilience and an endurance athlete. He has an amazing story from going from, uh, as he describes, depression, anxiety, and self-infliction to a state of gratitude. He has done some really crazy stuff, including uh, a 60-kilometer ultra marathon at Mount Everest, 24-hour treadmill challenge, uh, even some of the smaller things like the uh, oh, that's not smaller. That's just a typo. I put eight kilometer stand up path paddleboard, but I believe it was an 80 kilometer stand up paddleboard. And he is the, uh, he is the author of the new book. Everyone has a plan until shit hits the fan. I like what you did there with that title. Toph, welcome. Thank you, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I crack up every time someone says the title, but it's, it's a true testament to like, Everyone, hundred percent. Absolutely. Well, well, I love the concept of resiliency, and I want to get into that. Uh, but first, let's let's firm up those details. That must have been an eighty-kilometer stand-up paddleboard. Is that right? That is correct. And anything that could go wrong did on that um, that event. So shit did hit the fan for everything on that event as well. <laughs> Damn. Well, uh, I'd like to ask you some some details. Uh, around that but uh i gotta first ask why do you do what you do i mean there's some really crazy stuff for something like 40 endurance uh events in a single year that's almost once a week you're you're putting yourself through quite a lot of pain and suffering so tell me about it yeah it's actually more than one a week if you're in perspective because it's 52 weeks a year it was um it got to a point where um, but I did that with my friend and we were doing, we only had 20 events planned at first. Actually, no, we only had 13 events planned. And then when you just, when you get introduced into a community and then people start hearing about your story, people in the community go, you should do this event, you should do this event. And you, you just go, yeah, what's, what's the worst, what's the worst that can happen? And tw- 13 becomes 20, and then it becomes 27, and then it comes like 32 and 37. And you're like, oh, 37, might as well finish on a nice round number. And at first you're doing one event a week, and then you're really pumping them up to it. At one stage it was three in one weekend. Um, and then you're doing these crazy events, and they get bigger in intensity. Like you're starting off with half marathons, and then you're going into marathons, and then you're doing back-to-back marathons the same weekend and then you're doing 100k or 63 mile ultra marathons and you're doing 100 mile ultra marathons and then 24-hour treadmill challenges it seemed like it built like a crescendo and then um the body it took a massive toll on the body so that that's just to explain on the events but you asked why i do what i do um there was a point in my life man when i was struggling with mental health I didn't know if I could get out of it. And once I made that pivotal switch, um, I thought, you know what, I'm so sick and tired of feeling like this. I, I'm so sick of being that dude that can't handle his shit. I can't be that I can't I can't be like this anymore. So I made a promise to be at that point ever again in my life. And then once I, once I kind of fixed it for myself, I thought, you know what, there are so many people that can benefit from it because the stats on mental health is through the roof. Like, when you have half a billion people, this is crazy, man. Like, I, I saw the stat recently, and globally, half a billion people had has depression and or anxiety. Now, for me, that, that stat doesn't seem right. When there's, ha- when there's more people killing themselves than people experiencing cancer, than, oh, sorry, than going through deaths of cancer, that... That half a billion people is is one fifteenth of the world's population. Now, when suicide is the biggest killer, I think that stat is missing a lot of people because it's almost like it's a taboo to talk about, especially as a male. Um, and I thought, you know what, it's a much more fulfilling purpose to serve others to make them mentally stronger. And that that's where it all kind of came from, man. But it, it didn't happen like it didn't click straight away. Like I was still I was so um, 
immersed in what was going on for myself. I was trying to trying to rebuild my life because I still had no idea of what was going on. Now that I have much, much more clarity and emotional intelligence, um, I, I'm, I'm there to be there for people now. Wow. What brought you to that place of pain and suffering? And I'm not talking about what you're putting yourself through with the endurance uh, events. I'm talking yeah. about what, yeah, what, what triggered all that or what got you to that dark, dark place? For me, mate, it's, you know, I wasn't really grown up. I didn't really have the, like, depression and or anxiety growing up as a kid. Um, I was, it seemed like, school seemed fun to me. Like, you know, I got bullied a fair bit in early high school days, but the last, the last, um, the last half was pretty good. It was, it was, it was really nice. And actually, yeah, I really enjoyed my time at school. I know a lot of people don't. Um, so it didn't really stem for that from from that. For me, it stemmed when I was traveling in 2014. Actually, so I don't I don't hate any of my travels. Like, if anything, it was the best and the worst thing that happened. To me. Actually, I'm gonna say the worst than the best thing that happened to me. But I'm glad it happened because it shaped me who I am today. Um, and I did some wonderful things when I was traveling. But the thing was, I was going backwards in momentum because I didn't really put. I was traveling for the sake of it. But I came across, here's what happened, dude. I came across all these setbacks, and I didn't know how to handle them all. And at first, I thought, this is just bad luck, but maybe it was the universe trying to tell me something. But it was, I had business issues going on. I had financial issues going on. I had um, friendship issues going on. Like, intimate, sorry, in regard, and then I had relationship stuff going on, with, with whether it was stuff with my close friendships, whether it was intimate stuff that was going on, um, family stuff going on. And there was just a large plethora of things that just go one after another after another. And that, it 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 just really got to me. And I thought, this is meant to be. And it was the, when I look at it now, the incidents weren't as bad as what it made it to be. But one thing led to another, to another, to another. And mentally, it just destroyed me, man. Because I was just sick and tired of losing that... It's a lot more prevalent than I think, the whole mental health stuff, because I thought I was just messed up in the head. But it turns out that when there's that many people that are going through all these struggles, just no one wants to talk about it, I was doing the same thing. So as a male, we're, we're pretty good at this, um, bottling up stuff. Because if you, if you put a bunch of women together, there's a good chance that they get an event. Sure. Like a coffee shop, whatever it is. But if you put a bunch of males together, especially at like the at a pub, they're gonna. It's, it could be just locker room talk, or it could be, I don't know, the most masculine of things, where they're not really getting anything off their chest because there's so much stigma behind. Like, dude, you get it's crazy. Some guys in Australia they get called a pussy if they don't even drink beer, and it's like, come on, man. Like, you don't know this story. They could be celiac for you. Know? <laughs> they might not be allowed to have yeast. And it's like, you've got to do the most masculine of things. So I understand, I love stoicism in regards to delayed gratification, right? Like, do you want do you want an ice cream? No, I'm all good. Because um, I know it, it, it won't benefit for the long-term health. So it's, like, it's okay now and then, but I'm just trying to think like, you know, I can save up and have another. I can work harder so I can have two ice creams later on. But that's that's where like delay gratification works for like discipline and willpower. But I feel like stoicism needs to be broken in men, in, men in particular. Sorry, there's women too. It's just that men are the ones causing all the wars. Men are the ones causing all the shootings. Men are the ones that have all the ego in particular. Um, it's like that Times Up movement that's in the states. It's like that happened mainly because of men. Um, and I'm not disparaging men, like, in particular. Like, I just think there needs to be a bit of a change when you have a lot of guys, essentially, um, as a male, who I'm a victim of this. Like, I was like, you know when you put, like, a Mentos in a Coke bottle and there's, like, any second it's going to blow up? That was me. And, or, like, this volcano that's erupting. And, well, I feel like men need to, not always need to be stoic, right? I mean, there's a time to be tough and then there's a time to be vulnerable. And that's what did it for me. Like, I was at a point of so sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. Um, there was a time where I was just getting destroyed mentally, and especially with relationships. And it was, I did, 
I started questioning my validity in life, really, and it felt like too much. So I thought, I don't think this is a life worth living. And there was a time where I thought, you know what, OD would probably be the best option to get out of this because I'm just, I would rather be unconscious than awake. And I went to go through with it, but I didn't. Like, so I, I kept going down with the pills, but you... I had this weird epiphany, man. Like it was like almost like a dichotomy, where this is meant to be, but this is not how I'm meant to go. If that makes sense. So it's like all the pain's meant to come, because if you look at it, man, like all the greats that have ever lived, whether whether they're dead now or they're still living, and their stories stand the test of time. It's like as if they're every one of them, if you look, like I've been researching this for a while now and it's like there's a direct correlation. It doesn't matter if they're in business, if they're in in sport, if they're known for humanitarian reasons, but they all came from like a trajectory of pain. Now, I'm not trying to sound like a masochistic or a sadist, but it, something happened in their life that caused a pivotal moment from pain and suffering. So look at Mandela, for example. Mandela was in prison for 27 years for protesting his rights. That's crazy. That's fucking crazy. And he manages to get out. He stays composed. <laughs> I don't know how. And he ends up becoming, um, later on, South Africa's first black president, all this kind of stuff. And then he ends up on the most iconic people in the world in such a good way that his character for being in prison for that long is, um, is, is remarkable. And it's like Oprah, she she was sexually, I think she was sexually abused or child abused somehow. Um, she was told all these things she can and can't do, all these kind of things. And that would have put a lot of emotional stress on her. Um, her self-esteem would have been absolutely pummeled. And I've, all these people, like Michael Jordan, so everyone kind of, talk, everyone kind of talks about his, his story when he grows up as a kid and at high school days. Um, where he gets told he doesn't play and he's crying in his room. Like, there's a bigger story than that. Like, his dad got murdered after his first three-peat. For him to be composed and stay strong after that, it um, it shows, like, it's how he dealt with the adversity. And for me, I needed to be more into that, so I, I opened up and then I started rebuilding. Like, opening up kind of lets room now in the attic where you can put stuff in there and now I can put energy for the greater good. Because now that I've let everything out, I've kind of decluttered the mind by opening up. Now it's kind of build the resilience so that it doesn't get to that point ever again. So that that's how I kind of did it. Okay, so so tell me, of course, about the opening up. You had this uh, a little bit of a epiphany, if you will, and you just realized that you needed to make a change. Uh, you couldn't go on like this, and then you said you were able to uh, clear space in your mind and develop a strategy so you never went back uh, to that deep dark place so what kind of tools did you use yeah um at first it was hard drugs and alcohol <laughs> okay <laughs> because um, that causes like a psychological effect um this was before opening up um and then, like, a bit of self-harm at one stage. That was never pretty. Um, and then there was there was prescribed medication as well. And I'm, I'm not here to just belittle the, the prescribed medication because um, I believe that, like, if there are people that have chemical and hormonal imbalances, then, yeah, then you should be on the stuff. But for me, it wasn't working for me. So I'm only speaking from personal experiences. So I'm not here to tell people to get off meds, no. Um all those three of those coping mechanisms weren't working and it got to a point where, you know when strangers give you feedback, it's almost direct, they're like, hey Maddie, you should start a podcast <laughs> and it would have been by like, I don't know, maybe in the in the double digits where you're like, maybe they're onto something and oh, actually I have no, no idea why you started a podcast but there is a time where people are like, you have a voice for this and you should do it. Now this was working in the complete opposite direction for me in regards to people like, Dude, you, like, I became a dick, man. Like, I was masking. As a male, I was masking. And we're pretty good at that, too. <laughs> um, I was not happy with who I was as a person, so I was just drinking and just, party. like, I would be abusing 
chemical I'll be relying on chemical dependency because I wasn't happy with who I was as a person. Just you can just tell I wasn't really happy, but I was taking it out on people, not like fighting or anything, but like I was just lashing out on others and it just made their lives misery. Um, I needed to I needed to see someone because even strangers coming up to me and going, dude, you need to see someone or stop being a dick or you need manners or something. Um, and it, that's, that's, it was quite hurtful feeling when I remember seeing that. I was like, Jesus, have I really turned into this kind of person? And you look yourself in the mirror. It's like, dude, you need to change. So it, it's hard opening up as a guy. At first, like, you can have, there's so much stigma attached that it's kind of been passed through, like almost like folklore through generation. Some people, some people are the way they are because of the way they got parented, but it's not entirely their parents' fault because that's how they got taught and they got taught. Um, or maybe it's the way that society has been impeded on us. So um, I've learned it's good to have that trusted inner circle of people. Like, you know, I have some of my best friends that I, I still can't even talk to them about the stuff because it feels like there's not as much empathy because they haven't really hit rock bottom. Now, the moment they hit rock bottom, then they know they can hit, they can talk to me because I'm going to be there for them. I'm not going to judge them or anything like that. Um, but for me, it's it's hard. It's finding those people that don't want to feel judged. So it's so that 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 won't judge. So you don't destroy your self esteem. Like you got to be vulnerable around the right people. So if like anyone here is listening and he's someone to talk to, you're more than welcome to hit me up, um, because I I won't disparage you. Like. There's always, um, like for me, I, it's, I always have like, there's one male friend in particular, actually no, there's a few now, um, that I can always trust, that can talk to if I've got something on my mind that I need to get out. And it, it's a pretty good feeling. It's kind of like that burdens off the chest. Um, but it took me even a few years to open up completely to like, to the world. Like, just to talk about all the suicidal tendencies old me is like why the hell it's like code red code red don't do that because you're going to be considered a pussy all this kind of stuff and it's like no if anything I've seen it come first hand where other other people were like damn I don't feel alone now and that, that's what it's about it's like who can you impact when you when you say that um, and it's not like to boast about any of that it's just going just being the guiding light for people because so many people hold themselves in but yeah no I mean that that clearly uh makes a lot of sense and you said uh that you weren't happy with who you were as a person so if anybody else's ego is caught in that same male or female it doesn't matter uh yeah it doesn't matter yeah how can somebody go and get past that yeah something really basic now it sounds simple it sounds so simple, but when you truly understand it, and like I do this on a daily thing now, because it changes your definition of reality. You find out what's tough and what's not. If I'm ever going through a shitty time, um, I kind of express gratitude, dude. Like I try and do, and I do it in such a way where you don't expect anything in return. So that's known as altruism. As opposed to like people, ple- there is something called people pleasing. But if this is altruism. When you do something and you expect nothing in return, um, because it's kind of it's a fulfilling feeling when you can serve for someone else and make their life a little bit easier. So I feel like that makes us happy. So therefore, I think gratitude equals happiness. Um, if you do something for someone, whether you it could be it could be anything, man. It could be something as like a little deed or vo- volunteering for someone or when someone needs a hand, just like putting your hand up and just offering help or just expressing kindness to the point where I was talking about where strangers are giving you direct feedback. They're doing it in the complete opposite, but like a much better way where they're like, dude, you're such a nice person or you're a kind person. Thank you for being you. And it's a kind of cool feeling when you get that. Um, so... That, that's that's something I do now. Like I express gratitude, just even just saying things what you're grateful for. So focusing on what you have instead of what you're missing. There are times where, you know what, my car doesn't have aircon, dude, and I haven't had it for two years, and I live in a very humid city of the world, and it's like I, I really can't afford aircon because I'm really reinvesting it back into the business, and I just I, instead I just wear black tees because you can't see the sweat marks. Um, but I go. 
Toph, just be grateful you have a car. And it's like my laptop, it's 10 years old. It, it probably looks like a battle station. It probably weighs more than my car. <laughs> and I go, I just be grateful you have a laptop. So I'm just like hustling away so I can save up for that new laptop. Um, and I think that's important. Som- sometimes we're so, when we're going through adversity, it's like we're going through egocentric paradigms, thinking we have it worse than anyone else. And it's not until we realize when we take a step back, we're so immersed in the emotion and what caught up in what's going on that we don't realize that everyone in life goes through stress. And like literally everyone in life goes through stress. Like I've got APT mates who are missing limbs and then I've never seen them angry or complaining. And and it's it's that's a quite profound thing to see. Um, it's like when I've traveled a lot of third world countries, there are... It's almost like a lot of poor people are kind of grateful for what they have. And for me, it's just just be grateful for what you have, not what you're missing. And it kind of is a paradigm shift. It kind of puts you back mentally to where you need to be. Okay, so I want to ask you. All right, I, I totally understand uh, gratitude. And I, I, of course, think that our... Uh, listeners are pretty familiar and that you need to keep working that gratitude muscle. And, uh, I mean, I, I like the example, of course, with your, your air conditioning. And that is a reminder, right? For you every single day to be grateful because you get to practice being grateful every single day where some people might see that air conditioning and they might just say, Oh, damn, like, uh, continue to reinforce that negativity bias that your brain has, but instead you're using that to reinforce, uh, gratitude every day. So I love that. Uh, and, but what I wanted to ask you was a little bit more about altruism, right? Because if you're doing something for somebody else and you're not expecting anybody, anything in return, and that is where you're deriving your happiness from. I'm ju- I just want to be clear and I just want to point out that then uh, maybe that's not really altruism or maybe your ego is actually tied to that, uh, to that deed. And I can give you an example. So you ever hold the dare, uh, hold the door for somebody and you don't get the thank you after and you're like, ah, oh, bitch. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, right? So you were looking for that. So you were looking for that, uh, that, that thank you. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, now I'm going to puff up my ego because I'm, I would have definitely said thank you to somebody and I'm going to put my, I'm going to put that person down, therefore make myself better than, than this person. So could you break down altruism a little bit uh, more? Cause you, you mentioned that there and I just want to make sure for everybody that they're, they're doing it right where they don't need, uh, that positive feedback because that becomes a feedback loop and that can be very dangerous yeah i'm glad you kind of brought that up now there's there are things called cognitive biases i don't know if you're aware of them but there's about 25 main ones that that us humans go through that we succumb to right and um for example a lot of people look up to celebrities and there's a lot of social proof so there's social proof that that's a cognitive bias like you're always going to respond to someone that has a higher credibility naturally. Um, one of the cognitive biases is known as a Kantian fairness. So when you let someone in traffic and they don't give you the courtesy wave, right. and you're like, and you're like, damn, dude. And then there's people that go through like road rage because of that because they're expecting something in return. It's kind of like that, in my opinion. So this is this is how it works, in my opinion. Like if you it's got to be like a primary trait when you when you do all this gratitude and altruism. Like you got to get it to the point where you can't do something and expect a breakthrough to happen straight away. It's like an art. It's like that's probably the best way to explain it. Like it's an art. You got to do it so that it becomes a primary trait. So to the point where your friends are noticing it, and then it gets to a point where there's like even strangers are noticing it, and it just becomes natural. So it becomes a habit. Um, and even if you want to start small, but that's the thing. You can't expect anything in return because that's like a that's also a reciprocity bias too. Like you're expecting reciprocity. But the, the, the point of doing it is just 
to making someone else feeling better. That's that's the point of it, and it's that like when you explain that, that's very true. It can come from like a selfish kind of point of view, but there's an amazing book called The Selfish Dream by Richard Dawkins, and he talks about that. The whole book is about altruism and selfish and unselfish goals, um, or so, selfish and selfless goals, I should say. But I've I've just learned that you know what, it's okay to have selfish goals, but if it's for the greater good. So, for example, like maybe the legacy I want to leave may sound selfish, but if it can benefit millions and millions and millions of people, then then maybe that's okay. It's, there's actually, it's probably a good thing if you have selfish goals. But if your selfish goals are like, I'm working as hard as I can to get this $3 million house, I don't know, it's just something random I thought of then, um, then that, that might not be the better approach to have. It's It's something like, I want, I want like here. This is this now. This may sound like from selfish. I want other people to feel better. So this is what I'm going to do to get out of my way to impact their lives and to make their lives a little bit easier. And for me, that's something that's in the mental health game. That it just seems like a no-brainer for me. Um, does that kind of is that articulated response a little bit easier to? Yeah, that- absolutely. So you just want to frame it in the right way so that your totally, yeah. your ego isn't tied to the success of uh no. of that, right? Or uh, your ego isn't uh isn't tied to like oh my god, I'm the most altruistic person in the world. I do no. all this for nobody and then you you know, I I do all this for other people and then you always see those people who are tied to this giving and giving and giving they they're the ones who end up bottled up and then f- freaking out because they say oh, i i do all this stuff for other people and uh, i never i never get anything in return it's like oh wait a second well then i guess you weren't so altruistic uh, after that so anyway i wanted to clear that up for everybody and then i wanted to transition tof into why the crazy feats and the endurance events. Yeah, dude. Um, that really came out of curiosity. <laughs> it, it got to a point where, um, when I was talking about before, I like, I, I like, now it was now that I kind of let a few things out, um, and now I've got a little bit more. My clarity had dropped down to like looking through a straw. That's that's probably not much clarity. And I started researching why I wasn't happy. And it turns out my health was very, very degraded from partying and traveling a lot and just kind of not taking care of my body. Then it was it, – it, I got curious with I need to know – I need to have a new sp- – I need to take up a sport or something. I need to be moving. I need to do something. And I never did sport at school or not much because I sucked, meaning I was the last dude to get picked on the team. Um, so I knew it wasn't going to be anything ball sport related and I hated running <laughs> funnily enough. Um, but I thought, you know what, running can't be worse than feeling like this. Cause I like depression and anxiety is, is uh, pretty shitty. Like depression is when you don't care about anything and anxiety is when you care about everything. And I think a lot of people listening can resonate with this where we're getting pulled and pu- pushed and pulled like it's mental tug of war. It's like we're too busy living in the future and too busy living in the past at once now there's nothing wrong with having a vision because that's kind of like a future hedonist kind of like mentality outlook but then you have future fatalist which is kind of like the complete opposite negative and you're just constant worrying and worrying and it goes into this manic spiral um i started running as an escapism it was like a therapy and what i learned along the way was it's kind of Teaching myself how to push through a mental block in a run was kind of like life's adversity. I just kind of adopted that mentality. And at first I was running for the sake of it, but it didn't feel right because I, I was – there's a difference between working out and there's a difference between training because um, you're training towards something as opposed to just working out for the sake of working out. So I I'd started signing – I signed up for a marathon and I'm like, this is the scariest thing I've ever done. I signed up. I'm thinking, what the hell have I done? I have to do this now. So I learned about loss aversion. When you commit to something, and I'm just gonna have a drink of water, sorry. Um, when when you commit to something, and especially when it has some sort of investment involved, <laughs> you you end up doing it. Um, 
and I signed up for this marathon. I did the training for in, it, I did four months of training, and I rewired neural pathways because it takes about sixty six days to build a habit. University College London has proved that it takes sixty six, not twenty one days, uh, which is good to know, because then I, otherwise I would have been half. I actually wouldn't even have been half assing. I would have been third assing it. Um, it's it it started. You know, I started enjoying the the runs. I started enjoying the 30K training runs and then what it was like just being out in the field and dealing with mental blocks. That's why I don't mind being up at stupid o'clock talking with you, man, because it's like, you know, I kind of embrace adversity now because now when I come across adversity, it's no big deal or it's not as bad as I made it out to be, sorry. It's, there's always times where you're like, damn, but you're a little bit more emotionally intelligent. You're a little bit more ready and prepared. Um, I started running and then life was like a marathon or an ultra marathon in my opinion. Like it felt like a direct correlation. So I felt where I learned through endurance, I learned empathy on a whole new level. I learned gratitude on a whole new level. I learned leadership. I learned teamwork. I learned all these amazing traits that would have taken me years. Um, and I learned them through mentors as well. So shout out to all the mentors there. But where you you're in a race especially a marathon day you realize that i learned about community where i felt alone but there are a lot of people on very similar journeys and you meet them along the way and you start chatting to each other and then you end up having these very kindred spirits and then they end up becoming lifelong friends because you're fighting through adversity together. you're fighting through battles of war in your head together and like you find at the start of a marathon then the next thing you know you, you you're in a mental block and you're how the hell did i get in this and before you know it, you before you know it, you're um you, you snap out of it and you see someone else struggling and then you ask them if they need a hand or anything, and because you were literally in their shoes, like like pun definitely intended, <laughs> I'll tell you that because it's a foot race, and like you, you finish a race where where you go through all the mental blocks and then you you cross the finish line and the people get so emotional. It's because like I can't they can't believe that they did it and it's kind of like life adversity, right? You go through it and then you see someone struggling. That's what I was talking about before. Like, It's hard when to talk to someone that hasn't really hit rock bottom or someone that hasn't gone through adversity deep enough to have empathy for someone else. Um, so like, when it comes to like single parents, I, I don't know exactly how that feels like to be a single parent because I've never I'm not I'm not I don't I'm not a parent anyway. Um, so it's hard for me to be in that in that position. Like I can, but there are ways that you can kind of make it so you have a little bit more empathy like I've done it with certain endurance events to get community involved um, that I've seen that work and that's quite powerful but from there like I did a marathon and then before I know it I got met up with my friend and then we decided to do 40 events and then people were saying you boys should do this and this and this and then before we know it we just got curious and it's like what's the worst that can happen and you start reading you start getting a little bit it's like now we've got habits in place. It's time to get insatiably curious. What's you find out these things called hundred k ultra marathons? Like, what's an ultra marathon? I didn't even know that term existed in this world. Um, and hundred k, who the hell would run for hundred k? I didn't think that was possible. But you think people come up to you and you're like, let's just see how far I can take this. But where I do it now, it's 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 like a win win. Like, I get to push the limits for myself to see how far I can put my mind and body. And see how far I can take it as myself, because at the end of the day, it's just me versus me. But the absurdness and the uniqueness and the novelty behind the events and that can catch people's attention. And I use that to raise funds and awareness for causes greater than myself, where it's usually tied in with the cause. Um, and that, that's why I like to do it too. So it's like it's more of a win-win where everyone wins, and it keeps me. And I do the crazy shit because it keeps me sane, because that's what helps me. You do the crazy shit because it keeps you saying, okay, uh, that makes a little bit of sense, at least. I, okay, Tov, I, I'm, uh, I'm joking, of course, but I want to go back to uh, something you've touched on twice now, and that's empathy. Uh, and yep. you've, uh, you've said that, you know, if there's 
people out there like myself who have never hit a super duper low rock bottom. Uh, you know, I, I know lots of people who struggle with depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts, and uh, I'm always try my very best to be there. And you're absolutely right. I don't know what it's like, uh, but if somebody is trying to develop uh, a more empathetic mindset so that they can be kinder to that person uh, when you don't know what it's like to be a single parent or, or something like that. How, ca how, can, how can they uh, develop that mindset? Yeah, something um, yeah, this is something I learned through like Zen, like from Zen Buddhism, really, um, is putting myself through adversity every day. So doing something scary every day, it helps immensely. Now I'm not talking go cage diving with sharks. Like you can't. No, that's always going to be fun. Um, but doing something scary every day because, especially in like a lot of first world countries, they're not embracing enough grit. So we have every like in the town I'm from, the Gold Coast in Australia. It is one of the most beautiful cities ever. Uh, we have the, some of the best weather. We have amazing people. We have everything's easily access. You know, you're not really fighting for anything, and that's the problem because there's no grit. People, as soon as they come across adversity, it's too much because you don't really have a habit in that in 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 moving forward with it. So I I always think that. Grit is the proponent for resilience, and resilience is the proponent for for good mental health. And so, you know what? Having a cold shower every morning is is a good way to get yourself ready. Um, to the point where I take on any challenge, I try and take on a challenge as long as it's not immoral, illegal, or unethical, um, and it's going to be good for the human psyche. I just do it. Anything to get the heart rate up. <laughs> Um, it's like that, that 80k stand up paddleboard event you mentioned, like signing up for that event was, was bullshit. Like I had never done more than 10k. So I'm doing eight times the distance and the board sponsors, I remember them going, you can train with us if you want. I'm thinking, okay. I had three weeks out. I didn't really have much training for it. Um, I had maybe three sessions in, um, and that was just to get used to being on a board for that long. And I, there were only hour sessions. It was like a 14-hour event. I remember it. But I'm driving down to training, dude. It's a Monday morning, 5:30, 5 a.m. And I'm thinking, what are these people going to think of me? Like, I'm training with some of Australia's best paddleboarders. Like, these people are like winning championships around the world. And who am I? And that's the thing. We we now that's like losing my self-worth. And then I just to like break me out of that that pattern. I just go, what's the worst that can happen? I can't even compare myself. So, so many of us are comparing each other with everyone else. Um, I can't compare myself to any of them because I'm in it for a charity event. They're in it to win championships. And I can't compare myself because the circumstances were different from the start. And that's I think we do that a lot. We compare ourselves to everyone else. I don't have They have this, but I don't have this. It's like we're on completely different journeys in life. Like We can collaborate and emulate each other's traits, but we can't. We can't say, oh, I want what they're having because they had different childhoods and different parents and everything was different from the start. It's almost very dynamic. Um, and so I like to – if you put yourself through adversity every day, when you come across adversity, it, it kind of eases it up a bit to the point where you go, you know what, if you need to ask that girl on a date or if you need to um, – people are like naturally charismatic, so that one's might not be that hard for them. But, or if I need to close that massive business deal. Or if I need to ask that investor for coin, or um, I've got a, you know, something like I've got to fire that person. Like now, I'm not saying so you can just fire them straight away, but that way the fear doesn't take over you. And like that's why I wrote like the book that I have coming out. It's like that's why I said the subheading is how to not be the bitch of your own brain because sometimes we we succumb to fear and threats because that's how we're hardwired. It's just that clever ancestral brain that's trying to trying to mess with us. Um, so to get to like to keep the amygdala from freaking out all the time, it's it it becomes like habitual if you put yourself through something scary every day and like having a cold shower, something as simple as that is is a great one. When I did that, when I did that training for paddleboarding, I'm done by first thing in the morning. I'd done the toughest thing I could have done that day. Now the rest of my day is easy. I had business meetings all day. I had all these meetings all day I had to do and all these things. 
I had a very big day. I remember that after that. And it's like that – it was downhill from there. It was fine. So, you know, if someone says, let's go for a run at 5 a.m., just do it, honestly. Just do it because you're going to – at the end of the day, you'll see a cool sunrise and you'll be glad you put your body through that. And it's kind of like – it's like one of the practices of book and have pain. So you kind of have pleasure with that pain. So when you climb a massive mountain – and throughout the climb, you're like, this is shit, man. This is on over this. But you get to the top, you're like, okay, that was worth it. Um, <laughs> and it makes the climb that much better to embrace the pain. Okay, and so because you've put yourself through all of this pain, then you can relate better to other people who are in pain, thus having more empathy. Is that correct? 100%. So, like, there's no law of physics that says you can do this. But, like, you know, you may have not hit rock bottom, but if you learn to embrace adversity, because at the end of the day, you cannot avoid adversity. It's inevitable. Like, all the greats have gone through it. They came through some trajectory pain. We all come from some trajectory and pain. It's just how we deal with it. And if you, instead of bottling up everything, because you are going to become like a Coke bottle when you put a Mentos in there, if you just ride that, it's kind of like surfing. you got to ride that wave and as a human being, like any of my male friends, I always tell them, if you need to cry, just cry, man. Get it out of your system because if you look at like a cup of coffee that weighs a pound with a cup, with a, yeah, if you grab a cup of coffee and put coffee in it, it weighs about a pound. But if you hold on to that for 24 hours with your arm out straight, it's going to feel like 100 pounds by the time you finished. But it's, it's inadvertently, it only, it's still one pound. Profoundly, it's still the same weight. And we do that with the thoughts in our mind. It's like the whispers become yells because if you're yelling or whispering, the voices in your head are the same volume. And it, it took me a, a long time. And at first, I thought, how the hell can I shut these voices up? But you can't. So I thought just being honest and vulnerable and that, that's, that helps a, fa- a fair bit and and just when I go through an emotion, I just ride it. No, no, I'm not saying throwing temper tantrums, but if there's a time I need to cry, I'll just cry. Or if there's um, – that way, I'm just not suppressing any emotion and I'm being 100% a human being. A lot, There's a lot of resentful, angry men that have caused the wars. It feels like if you go back to like World War One, World War Two, that's just because of ego of who's got the biggest dick. Like, oh, no, nah, it's me, it's me. And then it impedes – the pain on the entire country because <laughs> they don't they're not really think they're just thinking of themselves because um, they want the legacy oh, I conquered this um, and that could have been passed through folklore through all the way back from Alexander the Great right the guy conquered a lot but he killed everyone along the way and so well you can't really enjoy that with anyone can you bro um, so it's learning to put yourself into scary situations so when you come across it it's just another day Okay, cool. So, and, and just to add, look, if somebody's out there and say, saying, I want to be great and, uh, you know, but I haven't hit rock bottom, again, to reinforce, they can go out there and they can create their own hero's journey. journey. I mean, that's why these people are great is because they have their great stories. There are great people out there uh, maybe who have not had all of the struggles, but they've put themselves in a situation to achieve something great and they've overcome that. So I, I think that's, that, that's really important. Um, so if anybody is out there, of course, yes, uh, sign up for your, your endurance event or, or whatever it is that's going to, uh, get you out of your comfort zone or, or take the show, quick, take the cold shower every morning. I've been doing that for a couple of years. I mean, look, I live in Costa Rica, so it's not the worst, uh, the worst <laughs> cold shower in, in the world, but, uh, still it's, it feels cold to me. So, uh, I wanted to go back to, all right, you talked about, uh, neural pathways and the amygdala and, uh, you know, I've mentioned this to our listeners before. And sure, yes, uh, if you want to build, you know, if you want to do things like be grateful or if you want to uh, take up a meditation practice, you can literally 
teach your brain to rewire itself. You can literally rewire those neural pathways, uh, mm-hmm. myelinating them, and you can change your brain. There's a lot of emergent science coming out about this. Uh, but you brought up something very interesting about 66 days to build the habit. Uh, I'm not sure why it's not the the 21. Doesn't matter. Uh, what are your best tips on how to build habits yeah it's it's literally starting small um you know if if we're going to go back to the cold shower example if you want to learn how to make a cold shower habit so some people like i know people that absolutely like adamant about not having cold showers because like oh i don't want to have a cold shower for three minutes and it's like you don't have to do three minutes straight away man um it's like people that go to the gym for haven't been in ages or they're going for the first time. And they're like, I'm going to do six days this week. It's like, you will, but you'll burn yourself out. And by week three, you're going to be done. You're going to be traumatized. You're going to be cooked. Um, so the key is to start really small so the fear is bearable. You know what? If, you're going to have, if we're going to do a cold showers, let's just ha- have a hot shower. Do what you need to do. And then afterwards, blast it on cold for like, do three seconds. Something as simple as that. If you can do three seconds, you can do four the next day, or you can do three and a half, or maybe you can stick on three for a bit, to the point where, okay, at first you go, the first week you're like, what the hell am I doing? Why the hell am I doing this? And then, before you know it, it's like, okay, this isn't that bad, and then this isn't that bad, and then it doesn't feel like work when you when you reach that two month mark. Um, that's if you're doing it every day, and then it's. Because that was like me when I took up running. At first, I was like, what the hell am I doing? I feel like an idiot. And then now I look forward to it. Like when I, I noticed I was looking forward to training. Um, and so you start you start small enough to the point where you can get insatiably curious. So that, that's that's my most effective strategy on building habits. So start really small. And you build, it looks like a staircase. Like you can't knock off the last domino. There's no – according to law of physics, you can't knock off – if you have like a um, – if we're going to – Imperial. If we've got one inch of domino and you've got a ten meter one, that's definitely not going to move over. It's not going to budge it because it's not going to budge it because it needs to be at least more than half the size to have leverage. So it it requires exponential change. But if all we need to do is realize it's it's me versus me, have that mentality. It's me versus me or you versus you. Um, where we go. I'm trying to better myself as a person. I'm not in competition with anyone else. We're only in competition with ourselves. And let's just focus on rebuilding. So let's just make this um, a habitual change and then we can focus on how far we can kind of... That's Not to the point where, oh, I can do 10 minutes. You don't need to really do 10-minute showers if you need to. It's just embracing... At the end of the day, man, you're just embracing adversity and learning how to embrace adversity. So that that's, that's something I, I've seen myself and i've seen other people work really well when they when they're making new habits so starting small okay so when you're trying to build those neural pathways when you're trying to become a more resilient human being and you're trying to get up and say do your cold shower or your meditation practice or get to the gym or do whatever it is uh, or you're on a run and you just want to stop and as you put it, when your brain is being a bitch, how do you break through that? <laughs> oh, it's um, it's for me. It's it's going back. To, surely there's a reason why you wanted to take up that whatever it is. Maybe there was a point in your life where you're sick and tired of it, or you just want to be. You just want change for yourself. You flicked a switch on somewhere, and there's going to be times where you have these tough moments, and you just go back to your reason why. Um, for example, there is all the endurance events that I've done. I there are times where I just want to give up. So many of them where I just want to give up. But I always go back to, no, I said I was going to do this, and because a lot of it I do it for a cause greater than myself. That's like my accountability. So it's always good to have accountability when we do these. Maybe, and you, there's 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 so many ways you can do it. Maybe you can make a way like maybe you can reward yourself it's like i'm not doing i'm not getting this like, it could be anything man it's like maybe it's like a nice weekend away for yourself i'm not gonna have the nice weekend 
unless I do all this stuff and maybe you promise yourself or you have an accountability buddy and you're like dude what are you doing what are you well, and then you both have like similarish goals where you can kind of relate to and it, it's kind of embarrassing when you don't make the goals or it, it adds in a bit of guilt um, and you you, you want to go through with it or you go back to your reason why if you don't have anyone there you go I said I was going to do this there was a reason why because sometimes we get too caught up in the in the in the moment and what's going on as opposed to the long term goal so that that's always something that keeps keeps you going forward any of those like accountability or just remembering your why okay that i mean that makes a lot of sense if you're out there running and you want to quit but you signed up because there's a cause that you really believe in or you know there's other people out there that you have empathy for that are struggling just like you did okay boom you can put those people in your mind visualize it break through use that as your meditation and uh and, and continue that that makes a lot of sense Toph. uh before we wrap up i wanted to ask you about planning for of course when hit when shit hits the fan uh so there's always tough circumstances in life and i'm a big believer that uh you know look there are going to be things that i'm going to have to deal with in my own personal future right that are not going to be fun i'm my parents will probably pass away uh you know i will probably have a tough year in business i will probably you know x y or z there's a lot of things uh that are may or may not be in the future but i would like to have a plan in place so that it is bull you know that my life is bulletproof and that my ego is not too tied to any of these things and so how can someone mentally prepare themselves for when shit does hit the fan yeah um it comes back down to evolutionary psychology so dr david bus he wrote a book called evolutionary psychology and it it talks about how as a per like the most successful people in the world aren't the richest aren't the tallest aren't valedictorians aren't the best looking like think of like the best traits you know what they're all bonus traits right but what it comes down to is knowing how to adapt and bouncing back after every fall so adaptability and resilience so resilience is how fast can you get back up when you get pushed back um, sometimes we get hit we get dropped hard and it takes a little bit longer to get up but as long as you're focusing on getting back up that's that's all that matters um, but adaptability man that that's where it comes down to what you're talking about then like think of like the greatest businesses in the world that are still around they would have been it was never a smooth journey for them they would have figured out how when where they're spotting at trends early or they're just constantly on the game where they're like, we need to make a pivot now because I feel it could be instinctual or intuitive, I should say. Um, and it's, so, you know what, even exit plans turn to shit, man. Even like the backup plans can turn to shit. So it's like, it's it's always been constantly on a dime, ready to change on a dime. Um, and I've learned through myself don't get too emotionally attached to things so now i'm not saying don't get attached to family or anything like that but it's someone who was a very emotionally driven to things i'm when i ever i took a loss it's it really it really hit me and now i it's kind of like that buddhist practice don't be too it like don't be too attached to things so that when i when i take the loss we're like just accept it for what it is because at the end of the day when we die all we have is ourselves and our breath and our conscience but we we can't we can't control anything else everything else is out of our circumstance pretty much we can only control what we can control so i think if we focus on that and we learn, and we know how to adapt when when plan a doesn't work man we have a whole alphabet but however Sometimes we don't have enough resources, whether it's money or energy, whatever, to get to plan to plan Z if we're going to use the whole alphabet. So this is when we have to – we almost have to go with like sheer creativity sometimes. There are times where – I'll give a good example. Like with this um, with this book that I have coming out, which is the title, Everyone Has a Plan Until Shit is a Fan, anything that can go wrong has. Um, 
and I'm I'm looking at the title and I'm like, I love you, but I hate you right now because this is a beautiful testament, even for the name of it <laughs> and for for writing it, like anything. And it's you would have come across this in your podcast, man. Anything that can go wrong almost probably has, and it's like you you got to learn how to adapt every time, and or else it's you it's going to be too complacent anyway if it was like that. Um. So yeah, adaptability. That that's one thing. That that makes a lot of sense. Uh, adaptability and resilience, practicing non-attachment. That's amazing. Tof, uh, it obviously everybody has heard the title of the book at this point. I know that ten percent of all the book sales go to an organization uh, called Livin. L I V I N. Could you tell us a little bit more about that before? we wrap up and where people can reach out to you. I, I want them to take you up on it. If they want someone to, to reach out to, uh, Tof says he's available. So let's hold him to it. People out there. If you're, if you got something to get off your chest, let the man know. For sure. Um, now the reason why I connected with living, you know what, this comes back to altruism. I don't really care if they don't share it. The book, I don't care if, um, this is my thank you. Like I'm trying to give back. So like someone who started in with a lot of charity and has both models, I have a for-profit and a non-for-profit model. The non-for-profit, I don't touch any of that money. Now for the for-profit, with the book, 10% of all book sales, not shipping and handling, but just book sales, goes back, is I'm giving back. And it's going back to like these guys and they – their job is to reduce the stigma behind mental health. Like I could have connected with any mental health organization, but these guys, their, their mantra is it ain't weak to speak. So they're getting grown-ass men to open up, which is kind of cool to see in my opinion. Um, so it's it's money going back to them to like to programs to reduce stigma behind mental health. Um, they started – like I always think adversity is a blessing in disguise. Now that sounds like an oxymoron because it is, but like what what's something good that's going to come out of so much pain? Like – Unfortunately, like the founders of Livin, their mate, one of their mates committed suicide, and they had a, a few friends that were that had happened to them. So they thought, "Fuck this, we're over that. Let's let's try and let's try and solve it." And they've done a, an amazing job. So something that happened out of tragedy has that's why I said everything comes from a trajectory of pain. And for me, I want to give back and help those lads. And it's. That's that's why I thought you know what the book is on about mental health. Like I wrote the book to get someone out of a crisis or commit stop someone from committing suicide. That I'm trying to bring it around full circle. Where you know what, if you purchase the book through me, you pay whatever you want for it. I've had to disable it because I'm about to go on a, on a tour in America, so I haven't got anyone to really manage it. So I have to anyone that has spot it goes through Amazon, which is a fixed price, which is totally fine. But when I come back from tour, like people are allowed to pay whatever they want. Whether it's Amazon royalties or it is going through my site, ten percent is going to go back to mental health. So, whether they bought it to get this practical resilience bible, they're contributing to one of the biggest issues in the world right now, um, or vice versa. Maybe they wanted to help to the one of the biggest issues, but they get a practical resilience bible in return. So they get something tangible in return, and um, it's going towards like people to being a little bit more vulnerable and because that's there's so much stigma attached to it like i feel like it needs to be addressed i completely agree and tof where can people uh besides amazon find find your book but where can they reach out to you yeah man so i'm active on facebook instagram linkedin um youtube um i'm tof.evan so t O-F-E dot E-V-A-N-S um, and then or even tof-evans.com um, anyone's more than welcome to reach out to me um, I will get back to you <laughs> as soon as I can um, excellent yeah that, that, that's how they can get to me man and they're more than welcome to say what's up say hi um, tell me their story I'll pick my brain if anything they need to do I'm more than happy to help excellent excellent Tof we, uh, we appreciate uh your time here, of course, uh, and your altruism. I hope that all of our listeners here do go out and pick up a copy of the book or share this with somebody that may need it. Uh, yeah, if there's anything that we can do to support, we hope that we can uh, contribute ourselves as a community uh, to what's going on out there. So, Tof, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. 
Man, first of all, thank you so much for having me, man. It's always humbling to hear when someone wants to on on their podcast. So I really appreciate it for letting me be on here, man. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Hey, are you looking for an adventure? Are you looking to take your life to the next level to reflect, to retreat, to figure out what the next steps for you are? If so, I would love for you to come to Bali, Indonesia with me and my girlfriend and yoga teacher, Luz Garcia. We are staying in the Malayang village in an amazing villa, and we want a dozen people to come with us this September 30th for this yoga and mindfulness retreat to combine it with some incredible adventure on this sacred island, the island of gods, as they call it. Uh, We're going to have cultural experiences that we have set up over the last five years operating on the island of Bali uh, through under 30 experiences, going into the homes and temples of the local people. We're going to have a uh, children's orchestra lesson. Uh, We have really nice little causes that we support in this village in Bali. It's going to be an incredible experience. If you want more information, you can email me directly, maddenunder30experiences.com, and no, you do not have to be under 30. We are an inclusive group rather than an exclusive group, and if you are a podcast listener, that would be amazing to have you out there. We're going to throw out $100 off right now using the code LIVEDIFFERENT, and I would love to take our relationship to the next level and have you be part of our community. Check it out, under30experiences.com.